Hello, welcome everyone to the Can Be Christian Church podcast. Uh, you're probably normally used to hearing the voice of Cody and Tisdale, but today you have me. My name is Robert. I am one of the uh, pastors here at the church, and this is the On Sunday podcast. We call it that because normally we uh, have a couple of pastors gathering together in a dank basement on a Monday or a Tuesday talking about what happened on Sunday. But today is uh, somewhat of a special week. I am all by myself. I'm the only pastor in the building and uh, for the rest of the week. So I invited some wonderful members of our church to join me. And uh, so let me just introduce them one by one. First, over here to my left, we have... Trudy Peters. There she is. And then across from me... Joseph Fleischner. Okay. And... I'm Jeannie Iman. Okay. So those are the folks that are here with me today. And uh, let's get into, first of all, maybe introducing yourself. I think most people in our church definitely have, um, you know, a knowledge of who you are for the most part, but there are new, a lot of new people. So let's first go through and say, Trudy, how long, what brought you to Camby Christian? How long have you been here? I came to Camby Christian in the mid-90s, 1990s. Uh, I joined the church in 96. I came because uh, the church I was attending was going through their second split with pastors in mm. about three years. And I was fairly new Christian, and I thought that's not what church is supposed to look like. So I knew some people who had left before me, or it can be Christian. So uh, I was aware of the church. I just grew up two blocks down the street and came uh, one Sunday and felt very welcome, saw People I knew that had been neighbors for years, and uh, mm -hmm. been here ever since. So you grew up in Canby. I grew up in Canby. I moved here uh, in 1952. Oh boy! And I was a child, 12 years old. 12, yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. And how big was the town? About 1,500. Wow. Mm -hmm. And now it's 18 something big. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So you've you've seen the city grow from its. Yes. Tiny small town to still small town. But yes. Larger small town. It, it hasn't lost the flavor, but uh, you can't know everybody anymore. Right. I used to be able to know everybody. Yeah, for sure. And Jeannie, so yes. how long have you been here and what brought you to Canby Christian? Um, well, I became a Christian in 1974. And then John and uh, we're at a different church, and John mm -hmm. and I came here in 1975. Oh, okay. So that would be 48 years, I think. Wow, so you've been here much longer yeah, than Yeah, I've only been here like in the 30, 90s. maybe 30. I mean, that's still, you know, <laughs> still many years. Still a long time, though, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. And, and so I that was the, the Jesus Revolution, right? That was the, that was the <laughs> Jesus movement in the 70s. That's when you became a Christian, basically? Uh, yeah, but it didn't have anything to do with the Jesus Revolution. Sure. <laughs> yeah, and it had to do with God revolutionizing my life. Mm. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. remember the Jesus Revolution well because I accepted Christ in the late 70s, too, and okay. it was all about going to Jesus Northwest and all of these, you know, getaways at the fairgrounds. Concerts and stuff Concerts like that. Concerts and stuff mm. with yeah. a couple of Christian friends from work. Yeah, basic youth, which yeah, is I went now to basic, a no no, but basic was, youth conflicts. That, that was one of the instrumental yes. things in our life. Yeah, was basic youth. Wow. Yeah. Okay, and uh, now we have our youngest 
member of the panel today. <laughs> not the youngest member, not youngest person on the podcast, because once upon a time I let my nine-year-old son sit in here. Uh, <laughs> maybe that wasn't a wise choice. But we have Joseph Leishner. How old are you? How long have you been here? I am 17 years old, and I have been attending Candy Christian for a, a while, as long as I can. I don't <laughs> have an exact yeah. amount of years, but um, yeah. I work here as a janitor. That's right. You're one of our janitors. You're also uh, involved in our student ministries or been attending that for yeah. you yes. know many years. And we so appreciate you. Thank Amen. You. For yeah. sure. Yeah, all the work that you do at the church is mm -hmm. uh, wonderful, for sure. And it, it often goes unnoticed. Mm -hmm. So um, Got trust to me. enjoy him on Mexico mission trip oh, that's this true. year, too. You've been involved in a lot of that. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> yeah, you, you guys both went to Mexico in the mm -hmm. spring, yes. spring yes. break. That's yes. right. Very cool. Okay. Um, normally, we would go around and talk about our weeks, but you know, for the sake of time, we heard a little bit of a... I'll just tell you quickly, the highlight of my week was the blackberry bushes that in my new house and the back, like it's it really in my neighbor's uh, you know, yard, but they come over my fence. And uh, I mean, thousands. I mean, there's so many blackberries. They're not quite ripe, but there was 30, 40, well, there's more than that, hundreds that are ripe. So we picked them. Oh. So it was the first little harvest of blackberries and me and Owen, we made like blackberry scones. Oh. oh. I took like pancake mix and I, added some stuff to it. I looked online, but we made like some, I was like, I, I have these berries. I want to do something with them. So. <laughs> were they good? They were good. Yeah, yeah. the berries were good. I mean, some of the ones that he picked were not quite ripe, so they were sour, but the ones that were nice and plump, they were good. Well, if you have um, an abundance of berries, there are people you could share them with. <laughs> I have lots of blackberries I would love to come house. pick. <laughs> They're I not quite ripe though. But my thing about blackberries is if, Whoever it was that introduced Himalayan blackberries into Oregon should be found and <laughs> strung up. Strung up. That's that's being kind. Yes. Yeah, there's a lot of them around. I mean, they will take down buildings. <laughs> I know. Yeah, a lot of people have them, um, but where we are now is kind of cool. We have a, a good amount behind us. Mm -hmm. I just gotta make sure they don't take over my yard. Yeah. So I got to be diligent with that. But anyways, that was a little bit about my week. So first, before we get into the Bible talk, I thought we'd do something a little bit fun. So one of the reasons why I asked you guys to join me is, is you know, if you may know, there are multiple generations present here in the room, right? <laughs> uh -huh. We have a youngin over there, the teenager. Uh, me, I, I, I feel like I'm middle-aged. I'm 38 years old. Oh, I don't know grief. what is middle-aged. <laughs> I guess it's like 40. You're not there yet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm... I'm on the on the verge of somewhere on in there. the cusp, baby. and then I I won't ask your ages, but you ladies are wise and you've you've been here many years. We'll just <laughs> say that. Um, and so, you know, the text before us that Cody preached has a very important uh, topic, talking about how to honor different generations within the church, and then also different people, uh, different roles. And so we'll look at that. But before that, I thought it might be fun to to give you guys both a quiz. So this is going to be. This is going to be basically baby boomer quit, uh, slang versus Gen Z slang. Oh okay, <laughs> I so failed already. I, 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 um, yeah, I know you. You are both ladies who were born in that generation, right after World War II, mm -hmm. and so I looked up some of the slang words. This is mostly for Joseph. Let's see if Joseph can determine the meaning of some of these slang terms that were popular 
in the 60s when you guys were teenagers, young adults, okay. right? So uh, in some of these, uh, they kind of like are pretty popular. So you probably get some of these, but I'll give you a few. <laughs> First one, hang loose. What do you think that means, Joseph? I hang loose. Take a guess. <laughs> I I don't I don't think I know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what do you, what do you think, Trudy? I think it had something to do with uh what do you call it when you um on the water. On, okay. On like a beach? Like on a beach. Surfing. On, s- surfing. Surfboard. Surf, yeah. surfing. Those people used to yeah, they use that terminology. You don't know what it means? No. It basically just means to relax, hang oh, loose, no. and chill out. Said, well, yeah. that would have been that. my theory. Yeah, I was thinking in yeah. the 60s, I was already a mom with kids, so I, <laughs> <laughs> I, I wasn't in on the, the Well, Joseph didn't, didn't get that one. Okay. Ooh. Next one. Uh, this is a term, fuzz. And it's not, you know, oh. lint, fuzz. I know that what one. do you think is being referred to there? I, I know there's a movie... I haven't seen it about police officers called like hot fuzz or something. So does it does it mean like the police or the government or something like that? That's exactly right. The Yay, police. Joseph, the police is I the didn't fuzz. Know. I knew that one. Yeah, I didn't. Did you get in trouble with the fuzz back no. in the day? No, Jeannie? Okay. No. Um, what about this one? Far out. Oh, oh that's hippie generation <laughs> yeah, stuff. Hippie. <laughs> so yeah, hippie. Does it mean something like? That's cool. We're like, whoa, that's far mm-hmm. out. Or exactly. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, it's just, um, yeah, out of sight. Something that's mm-hmm. good, something that's cool. Yeah, you mm-hmm. got that one right for sure. Okay, one more. We'll try to, how about this? It's a question. What's your bag? Like, what's your, what's your, what's your deal? What's your, um, What's going on with you? Or exactly, okay. yeah. yes. Yeah. Did you ever use that kind of terminology? No, ladies? no, me either. <laughs> and I'll tell you that we're small town folks That's here. That's true. Yeah. You know, That's true. Well, yeah. we, we were heard yeah. everything way past its. And I origin. grew up in Molala, which is another small town. Oh yeah. And so it was always the cousins when they came from Eugene. Yes. We would hear the latest slang. Yes. And then it would be from my mother, and I do not expect to hear that again. <laughs> That's true, and uh, you did pretty well there. You got yeah. most of those. Joseph, so good you job, knew Joseph. The most of them. I'm yeah. trying to good find the him. like. To I know be we quite have. Quite honest, I had to guess because I, aside from hang loose, I haven't heard any of those used. <laughs> so, well, there you go. You did a good job of of trying to figure that out. So we'll give you that. Now let's test your lady's knowledge. Oh, great. <laughs> what are the kids saying these days? Right? Okay. Here's some terms that you might have heard in the last few months. I mean, these are like, these are brand new slang terms. Um, if you hear someone say, no cap, what do you think they're talking about? No clue. <laughs> no clue. <laughs> Gee, no, take a no guess. Cap. My guess would be I don't have any capital or I don't have any spending money or. Okay. No. <laughs> no. No. Sadly, that is not. Let's see if I can. There you go. You get crickets on that one. <laughs> I'm, tr- I'm also like trying to learn this this podcast machine that Cody knows how to use, and I don't. Um, anyways, no cap is basically you're not lying. If you cap, capping is lying. So no cap means I'm telling the truth. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Did you know that one? Um, I've heard a, a slightly different version of it because a, a lot of times in 
in video games, especially like like fighting video games, there's there's oh, normally like a yeah. point or something that you have to capture. And so to kind of shorten it, they'll say, oh, I'm capping or something like that. I'm going to go capture the point. So oh. when I thought, when I heard no cap, I'm like, you're not capturing? Or <laughs> I, I don't know what that means. No, no. I mean, I'm sure there's a bunch of different ways these are used. But yeah, that's what that's meant. What about this word, drip? What do you think <laughs> is meant by drip? I have no idea today. We would have called somebody who was kind of weird or, you know, not with it, a drip. That is exactly what I was thinking. Yes. Okay. Joseph, can you enlighten us? I <laughs> don't know exactly what it means, but I've heard it referred to with, like, you know, some special kind of fashion or clothing or something Right. Like that. It is your look, your style. Oh. What you're wearing is your drip. Okay. So you got that one, Joseph. Um, oh my gosh. Okay, what about this word, uh, riz? <laughs> what do you think is being talked about, riz? I'm out of here. <laughs> it's it's a part of a word. I'll tell you that. It's a what? It's like a section of a word that you know, oh. which I will tell you later. Like I'll tell you after you take a guess. What do you think is? Take I a don't stack. have any idea. <laughs> okay, Joseph. I, I actually know what this means because I heard somebody talking about it a while ago. Well, not like like a couple days ago. So I had to go look it up so I would know <laughs> what it means. And it's um it's a shortened version of charisma. Of course, sometimes it also means like to flirt or something like right, that. Right, right. That's what like, Google told me. Your charisma. So riz the center part of charisma oh. is like your game. How you yeah you how you flirt. How you can capture people's attention. So that's what that is. You'll you might hear some of these terms if you're hanging out in Portland. Or oh, something. Yeah. It's a good thing you had Joseph on the panel today. <laughs> I know yeah. he's he's enlightening you guys. Um, okay, last one. Last one we'll throw out, and then we'll get into actual Bible talk. Um, have you heard the term bussin? No. No. <laughs> no idea. No. Take a stab. See what, what do you think it means, Trudy? Bussin. 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 Yeah. I don't know. Bussing used to be like a kiss was a bus years ago, but oh, I have okay. no clue. <laughs> that was in the Victorian Joseph, era. Do you Save know us, Joseph. Uh, I, I, to be honest, I don't speak in slang like this. I don't spend <laughs> a lot of time around people who do speak in slang, but I, if I were to guess, I'd say that to like bussing means like to keep on going, like trucking or mm, something like that. Good guess. Not quite. Um, but basically the term just means cool. It means like something that's really good. Interesting. Okay. Like, yeah, like that song is bussin' or that food is bussin'. I don't know. <laughs> There's a million words for like something that's good, groovy and, you know, oh, yeah. all of those Groovy terms. would have been more our, yeah. <laughs> There you go. Groovy yes. was on there too, but I didn't. We would have gotten that one. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, let's move on. Now that we've seen the differences between the generations, we, we have <laughs> our own. There's a big difference. We, we have our own languages, we have our own ways of thinking and talking, and yet here in, in the book of 1 Timothy, as the Apostle Paul is writing this letter to this young pastor, a somewhat young pastor, who's leading the Ephesian church, and he opens up chapter 5 with this ver these two verses, I'll read these two for us. Um, he says, "'Do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father, younger men as brothers.'" older women as mothers, younger women as sisters in all purity. So he's obviously talking to uh, Timothy, who's a man, and he's kind of telling him how to interact with different people, different generations of people. One of the reasons why we gathered 
you guys here. Um, so, and I think this is a, a helpful few verses and some good principles we can pull out of here. And I think what I'd like us to think about in this these few verses is what are some specific or practical ways that we actually do this, showing honor to different people within the church. What do you guys think? Well, when I thought of this, I thought um, you three guys have been teaching us community mm-hmm. and or stressing, not teaching maybe, but stressing a yeah. sense of community within the church. And um, I have actually shared, I think, with all three of you and a few of the men in church, I feel like they're my grandsons. <laughs> I have a familial feeling towards some of these young men and... Um, some of the older men are just, you know, they're even younger than I am, some of them that are older. But, um, yeah, you love them like family. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, when it said not to rebuke them, yeah, um, I just thought, I wonder why he specified older men not to rebuke. And, and you know, probably because you should not rebuke anybody harshly, necessarily. Yeah, that, that is a good question. I think thinking about it's going to Timothy and probably the older men, especially in that context are much more likely to challenge him and push back against him, maybe unwarranted. And he, he probably his fleshly, you know, uh, initial knee jerk response is going to be to rebuke them. And so I think Paul's trying to cut that off a little bit and say, you know, don't, don't be harsh with them because they're, they're, mm-hmm. they're probably the ones who are going to speak out against yeah. him most frequently. That's what I would imagine. Well, yes, and it's a cultural thing in those days, too, because right. the men had all the authority, mm-hmm. and uh, he's younger than some of them, and they would have naturally thought that he had something to learn. From yeah, them. and this comes on the heels of that encouragement from Paul to Timothy not to allow anybody to despise him for his youth. Yes. Yeah. So... Um, don't give anybody an occasion to despise you because mm-hmm. you're younger than they are. Um, and that pe- older folks should not despise him just because he's young, right. but rather for his character. Um, so yeah, that's kind of all in in mind as this next section is coming. So yeah, that's good. Obviously, yeah, I, I definitely feel the, the grandmotherly or the motherly uh, you know, advice from you, uh, Trudy. Especially on Sunday mornings, you're like one of my one of my very consistent prayer buddies before church, um, which is a lot of fun and uh, always get to hear from you. So I, I appreciate the way that you do that. And hopefully you feel honored um, in this church. But that, yeah, that's one one way. Any one, other? one thing that I really appreciated that Cody brought up was it, I wrote down, it was a challenge that he mm. made to the teenagers because... I think teenagers today are growing up with a lack of, much more of a lack of respect for elders, what I would call elders, teachers, anybody that's older than they are. Um, it, it is hard for older, see, I, the, the problem is, and Trudy, you can speak to this too, is that I don't feel like, feel like I'm older. Either. <laughs> you know, I and yeah. I've told people over the years that I really believe that that feeling that we have is our spirit, that our spirit really doesn't age, mm. but that our bodies do. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and th- but it, it's hard 
it's hard for me when I hear younger people younger than me not say, like, how are you today, Mrs. So-and-so? Because that's the way I was raised. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and even when I was an adult, I was, it was Mrs. Jolly. That was it your wasn't, maiden name? No. <clears throat> no, that was my mom's friend. Oh, okay. I didn't call her Irene. That oh, was her name. I called her Mrs. Jolly. Mom, Mrs. Jolly's on the phone or mm-hmm. whatever. And I think that, but that is a, to- a tone of respect. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think teenagers are, it isn't just teenagers no. anymore. It's society does not respect other people. And so it, I think it's good that we're, we all learn to respect each other. Right. And yeah, culturally, things tend to, to change and shift. Um, now it's more common to use a first name. Yeah. Um, but if, I guess, and culturally it would be hard. I don't think like me as a, yeah, 38-year-old man, if I'm in a church service and I know someone's first name, I'll usually call them by that. But if they ever said, I would appreciate it if you address me mm-hmm. this way, then I'd, appre- I'd address mm-hmm. them that way. But yeah, generally speaking, it's it's just the way we the way we grew up right. was slightly different. Yeah. I mean, I had some people in my life who maybe encouraged that kind of, especially when you're in certain settings. If you're in a classroom, you know, that's still generally intact that you call the teacher by their last name, Mrs. Mm. So-and-so, Mr. That's still fairly prevalent. If you're in the workplace, usually if you're in some social situation, it's less so. But yeah, that, that shifts. And even from what Paul's talking to Timothy, it's different than yeah, what, where we are right. now. Um, but yeah, I think that was a good challenge. I don't know. Did you, did you take up that challenge, Joseph? I know you're, you're very respectful. You're, you're (laughs) like, um, yeah, sort of unique, I think in that sense amongst many teenagers. Well, I'm not, Um, I'm not the only one because at, uh, the civil air patrol squadron that I attend, they, they teach starting at like age 12 was when you can first join. They teach, um, military discipline and respect mm -hmm. as long as, as, as well as lots of other uh, different aspects of, of military life, and so uh, lots of the lots of the cadets there they learn respect, and they they learn to give other people respect. So that's partly where I got a bunch of that. And there there are lots of um, there's actually a few kids that attend church that are part of that same squadron. So mm. right, yeah. What are some examples of how to do that? I, I see you um, often standing at at uh, at ease. Which people in the military probably doesn't understand what that means, but you fold your hands behind the, your, your back, back and the lower part of your back, mm-hmm. and Joseph will stand like that <laughs> a lot. And uh, which I, mean, I assume that's a part of like what you're yes, yeah. it's part of the drill that we learn. <laughs> so it's just it, at this point, it's just what's comfortable for me is to stand that mm-hmm. way when I'm when I'm standing for long periods of time, or even just when I'm when I'm waiting for somebody to to do something. Right. Um, yeah. So saying, sir, ma'am. <clears throat> trying to use last names, that kind of thing. And I think obviously here, the way that you speak to people is a big way that you honor them. Yeah. Um, well, one thing that I always try and do, and Joseph knows this, is uh, is when people do communion, to thank them. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. As, as they're passing mm-hmm. it down. Because that, too, is an honor. Mm. Yeah, for sure. Please and thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I remember yeah. when Aaron was first at the church asking him, now, Specifically, do you want to be called Pastor Aaron or just Aaron? He said, whatever suits you. <laughs> he didn't have a preference. Yeah. Because um, 
it's, it's an informality. You know, right. I remember growing up, it was always pastor so-and-so. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that has changed over the years yeah. uh, in a lot of churches. And normally it's, at least in every church I've been in, it's pastor first name. Yes. Rarely yes. is it ever, unless it's like, maybe some different traditions will have yeah. used the last name, but I've never... Yeah, at the Lutheran Church, I didn't even know the pastor's first name. Probably it was Pastor Trickstead. That's all I ever. So it's just last names. Just yeah. his last name. Yeah. yeah, which in the military is usually how people are addressed mm-hmm. by their last name and rank, um, mm-hmm. or yeah, in 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 a classroom as well. Um, but I think again, that's cultural. Like I think mm-hmm. now I don't have any problem. There are some people um, who maybe I guess we'll say quote a little older fashioned maybe, or they just feel like it's honoring and appropriate, we'll say Pastor Rob, but it, it, I don't I don't take any offense for someone just calling me Rob. It doesn't bother me at all. Um, and I'm sure Aaron feels similarly, you know what I mean? But it, it's a great way, especially if you don't know someone, mm-hmm. y- you're probably better off, it's wisest, to just be as formal as possible. Mm-hmm. And then you once you get to know them, you can start to, you know what I mean? I think, mm-hmm. does that... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. So yeah. there's wisdom in that. Um, and then it talks about how to interact with different people. So as as Timothy is sort of this, similar to my age perhaps, he's treating younger ladies as sisters uh, in the faith and in all purity. So that's an important little clause that's mm-hmm. in there mm-hmm. about how to interact, what kinds of situations you want to allow yourself to be put into. Cody didn't expand on that, but he mentioned it briefly. And uh, so that's an important thing for sure. Uh, I, don't I, th- know. I think that's a very um, oftentimes difficult um, thing for men of any age because, mm. you know, it just talks about the lust of the eyes as a sin even. And, you know, there are some beautiful young girls and women out there going to churches and, and our church. Yeah. And, and uh, it's some sort of a discipline specifically for Christian men that apparently the Holy Spirit is gracious to help them with that discipline because uh, I can see how it can happen uh, just because of the world we live in. Right. You know. Yeah, and he's he, even before this, he mentions in chapter four at the end, which Dave preached, mm-hmm. um, keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching, persist in this, you know, for by so doing you'll save people. It's, basically talking about watch your conduct, watch mm-hmm. your teaching, mm-hmm. uh, to be vigilant. And then he reminds us here to, you know, in purity. And so there's like simple things mm-hmm. of, you know, keeping a healthy distance, watch what kind of physical mm-hmm. touch. I mean, the, the scriptures, Paul talks often mm-hmm. about greet one another with a holy kiss. Um, that's not something we do <laughs> in our tradition, our context. Uh, it would be kind of strange if, yes, if a guy goes around kissing every every person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but, but I don't know, maybe in some European context, I don't know if there's, or maybe Middle Eastern context. I had a cousin in California that was going to a church and they did that. Like on the cheek or? Just on the cheek. Yeah. But it was creepy. (laughs) Creepy. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. But, and that's, you know, how you, yeah, how you interact with that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. When is it appropriate to give a hug? You know, all of that kind of thing. Maybe just a handshake is fine and. Um, but yeah. I think that that's wisdom in there. They were taking it literally. You know, you can take you, there's, you're supposed to take this literally, but then there are cultural 
differences. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, which is the next section is a lot on cultural differences and stuff like that. But before we move on, any thoughts from you, Joseph, on honoring older or younger people in the church? Any insights you had as a young man? Um, he's talking about that First. you see the, like the, the older women as mothers and mm-hmm. the younger women as sisters. And something that kind of happened in my homeschool group is that I kind of start to see my teacher, Mrs. Kircher, as like a almost like a second mother. I mean, not not in the same regard as as my actual mother, but right. like when when we're in class, she is kind of like the mom of of the class <laughs> of your class. Yeah. yeah, and we only have three people in, in the class, so it's not a very big <laughs> class. But yeah, it's it's like our own little family, mm-hmm. and there, um, I don't do this all the time, but sometimes. Um, I will meet some young woman that is kind of like a, we, sorry, I just, I just kind of lost my train of thought and the words I, I need aren't coming, but, um, <laughs> young that, ladies, they have that effect on you. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, not, not like that, but like, um, like we're, we're more like sister, like a, bro- a brother yes, and a sister, kind yeah, of like the sure. way that we relate to each other and stuff like that. Cause I'll often just have like friends and some of them happen to be to be girls, but sometimes right. I'll have friends that they're like, no, they're more like my sisters. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Of course, most mm-hmm. of them moved away, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I think that's that that Cody made that point that we, as the church, it, are a family, mm-hmm. and yeah. I think that's what Paul is saying mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm. Of course, this is elsewhere in Scripture as well. Um, but and then in the next section, he delineates and he says, "There's like the church family, and so we were to treat one another as if we are a family, sort of spiritually speaking." And then he goes into, but you actually have a household, and in that household, you have an immediate family, like you're talking about your mom, Joseph, and then you have uh, your teacher, who in a sense is sort of filling this motherly role um, in a spiritual sense and that kind of thing, and and obviously helping educate you and that kind of thing. Um, But I think that's an important context where we go next. So next, let's talk through this next section. We won't read this section because it's kind of large. Um, but it talks about how to honor those in need is the way that Cody kind of talked mm-hmm. about it principally as a principle, but specifically in this text, he's addressing widows. Um, and the, of course, these are women in the church who have lost their husbands. And in our, in our context are very different because men did not live as long as they do now. And back then, often they probably had jobs that were more difficult or, you know, tasks or just healthcare. And there's a lot of reasons why, generally speaking, there was more occasion for younger widows than there are now. I think there are still, you know, it happens tragically that young married women might lose their husband, but it's less often, I think, now than it is then. But in any case, he gives them um, some direction for how to care for and honor these widows. Maybe we could go quickly around and talk about our family structure. I mean, um, you know, I'm married with a few kids. Um, and then I know that Trudy, you've lost your husband. Yes. Okay. I live alone. I, and, uh, I've lost one son, so I have one living son. And, um, I, when I was reading this, I thought about it because, um, my son is not a believer. Mm -hmm. And, um, so, my family is my church. Mm. I am closer. I mean, my son and I are close, but it's a different level when you're not, you know, biblically, scripturally, you yeah. have that. But I just uh, and love the fact, you know, Brandon Chase is just such a good buddy of mine, and Sean, 
and uh, these men have gone to with to uh, mission trips and stuff. And um, so, yeah, I'm so grateful for church family. I really right. am because I have no one who's interested in sharing my faith outside. In your immediate in family. In my immediate yeah. family. Yeah, and you're at a stage in life where your son is adult, obviously. Yes, he's in his sixties. Yeah, <laughs> quite, quite, a, quite adult. <laughs> yes. Um, and then Jeannie, you have some kids, or? Yes, I'm. I'm still have a husband. I'm married. That's right. <laughs> I have John two, is with us. John is still with <laughs> us. Yes, I have two adult children who are in their fifties, and both attend church with their families. And then I have eight grandchildren, oh boy. Um, five, five through my two girls, and then three more that I adopted as grandchildren. And most of those ch- grandchildren are also strong in the Lord. Praise God. That's yeah. cool. Joseph, yeah. how many kids do you have? Uh, <laughs> I, have I am not married. Hopefully zero. Any kids. Okay. <laughs> Hopefully someday I will get married and have kids, but that that day is not today. <laughs> you got a few years. Yeah. You got a few years. But you um, are an example to some younger men in your family, for sure. Yes, I have I have uh, two younger brothers. Mm-hmm. I am the eldest, and of course a father and mother. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, okay, great. That's our family structures, and so yeah, that's one of the reasons why I was thinking it'd be good to talk about this issue. Um, obviously talking about widows and there's, it seems like Paul is saying there are two types Mm -hmm. of widows Mm -hmm. or if we want to broaden it, two types of people who are in need. Mm -hmm. Um, and what, I guess we could say, what distinguishes between those two types? Um, what do you guys think? What, what do we see in the text? Well, one of them had families, had, okay. Had families. They have immediate household. They have families. immediate yeah. household, and the other ones had no one, basically. So they were, we called them the true widows. Right. So there well, is, and there was also the age disparity. Yes, between young and old. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So one group of widows had lost their husbands, mm-hmm. so they're truly widows. But then he gives this other category of true widows, quote unquote. So it is kind of confusing. But he's saying women who are in a situation where they're younger, mm-hmm. like you're saying, Jeannie, and they have family members who can care for them. And then there's another group of women who are older. Mm-hmm. Seems like I think it says like above the age of 60. 60. Yeah. Which, um, which, yeah, I think even contextually for us, you know, that that somewhat lines up. That's generally the age at which I think most ladies are, get to the get to mm-hmm. the point where they may lose their husbands. Um, anyway, so then they're older and they probably don't have a household with because their children at that point are probably adults and have maybe they're not there um, or they don't have those people that live nearby and that kind of mm-hmm. thing. Um, and the other there's one more other distinction between these two ladies that I'm thinking about though, which is that um, the the one group, the generally the older, are godly, right? There's a huge emphasis in here oh, yeah. talking about oh, these yes. women. Are they servant-minded? Do they wash the feet of the saints? Um, that kind of thing. Trudy, have you washed the feet of the no. saints? Oh. No, I haven't washed just my own. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you do wash people's feet yes. all the time. Not, not literally, but yes. Not right. 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 Yes. Yeah, the principle there the is principle are you... Is 
serving and serving and caring, humbling and, and doing. being involved with. Yeah. 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 And yeah, for sure. We see that, um, you know, even the way you care for our plants right out front on the corner. <laughs> <laughs> You're out here in the hot, sunny days with your big hat, keeping yes, the sun away, yes. pulling weeds. I'm waiting for it to cool down a notch before oh. I come out again. <laughs> That's right. You got some bushes to trim soon. Yes, I do. If you, if you need help, you know, I know you like doing it. I do. I love it. It keeps you, you know, active and engaged mm-hmm. and serving, um, which honestly, that is a way that you quote unquote wash the feet of the saints is you're out there caring for our our building um, and that sort of thing. Uh, but these other widows, it seems, are younger. They're what? They're idle. So they're not being productive. Mm-hmm. They're... <laughs> he uses the term busybody. Yes, I love that. <laughs> yeah. what, what does that mean? They're all he, involved of, he, in <laughs> yeah, in everybody else's business. And yeah. gossipers came right behind That's it. That's right. And yeah. Busybodies are often gossipers. Mm. Yeah. Because they look around. Go hand in hand. Yeah, they do. Often. Yeah. Right. And so there's sort of these two categories of people. One is sort of godly and they are sort of incapable of caring for themselves because of their age and their mm-hmm. family situation. And so those are the people who the church should uh, collectively assist with mm-hmm. benevolence or mercy mm-hmm. ministries, that kind of thing. And then these other ladies um, who are widows, and they, they would need some help, but, they, but the problem is that the help that they were receiving, perhaps, was allowing them to indulge in bad, you know, sinful mm-hmm. behaviors, it seems. So I, I, it's a very practical little mm-hmm. section. It is. But um, I guess that leads us to think about, you know, what has been your experience, you know, helping out people who are in need in benevolence or mercy ministries? What works? What doesn't work? <laughs> you know what well, I mean? I, when I read this, I thought of um, Camby Christian used to, well, I was working at the thrift store mm-hmm. in Camby. Uh, we'd get vouchers from the church. Uh, I know that sometimes there was a time when they'd come in and they'd give them a few dollars for gas, just hand it to them. Right. And not necessarily people that belong to church even, to belong to the, the, to the church, but just people off the street that had needs. And yeah. when I was at the thrift store, people would come from churches with a voucher. They were, it, I guess that was a new way to make, try to keep track of these people. Um, we could come in and give them, the church would put down, they need clothes or they need mm. housewares or whatever. And we would give them what we had, but then they, you know, uh, they could go to 15 churches in Clackamas County and get help. And I think that's how uh, a lot of the Canby Center initially refined and got started. Because I was volunteering there years ago when it was way new. Uh, but I remember going to a meeting with the uh, principal, with Ray Keene and the principal of the high school at that time, um, and talking about these the kids that had needs. And they started then, the, the store was filtering people to the Canby Center first. Mm-hmm. And then the Canby Center would interview these families, and uh, they told us, unless you get something from us, so the only one, the schools, though, had the right to the counselors. If they saw their children had not good clothes or were needy, the counselors at the school could get a voucher to them to bring to us for clothing. Right. So 
the church shouldn't just be handing out dollar bills, you know, randomly. Yeah, I thought that was something that Cody brought out well in okay. his sermon, that he that it wasn't a, how did I, I wrote, it's not a benevolence problem, but a discipleship problem. Yeah. And that learning, the church needs to be wise mm-hmm. in what they're doing <clears throat> and, and how they're helping, mm-hmm. right? whether they're helping, because that too is a witness to the world. Yeah, you don't want to just enable somebody to continue the same yeah. behavior. Exactly. And that's what we see in this text. Seems like these young widows Mm -hmm. were being enabled. Yeah. One of the things I agree, I thought that quote was really good from Cody. Mm -hmm. Um, He he said, uh, what did he say? Um, Yeah. So benevolence that's given out unwisely Mm -hmm. is actually teaching these people how to sin. Teaching yeah. them, so basically, teaching you're teaching them idleness. Yeah, you're like you're discipling them one way or the other. Yeah, you're discipling them toward godliness uh, by being wise and th- those sorts of things, and helping them to see the the most important thing um, that these older widows were embracing service and and commitment to God and those sorts of things. Or you're you're teaching them or discipling them toward sinful activities. If you're just like you're describing, it sounds like this voucher program, with good intentions. Uh, no doubt people thought this was a, a good, helpful way, but the problem was people were taking advantage of it mm-hmm. and they weren't, um, you know, they weren't getting into a healthy situation. They were just taking the handouts mm-hmm. and it was enabling them to make bad choices. And so, yeah, as a church, it's really, it's hard for us because like Cody was talking about our initial reaction is like, we just want to help someone. Yeah. We just want to give mm-hmm. them something because it, it, I mean, if we're selfish, it sort of feels good, but then also we genuinely want to help someone and we think that's a good way, but in the long run, it's not. I think that quote from <coughs> When Helping Her, it's a great book. Mm-hmm. Um, that's really a good read. Well, you know, is it in Ephesians? Isn't it Paul that wrote, if you don't work, you know, if you don't eat, you don't, or eat. You don't yeah. eat. So, you know, the premise is if you should help people find a job or help them. So the Canby Center came, right, to do the yeah, and their model biblical thing. Biblical yeah, and model. we've had uh, we've had Ray on here. He's given we <coughs> had a whole discussion with him, and he explained the biblical basis mm-hmm. for their renewing dignity and exactly. You know, which well, is the same principles happen. Uh, like I can remember years ago, we had um, there was a conference say. Or even when the women had a conference a couple of years ago, we had a women's conference here. And we were talking about, well, what what about the women who can't afford? I mean, okay, if, if the say the price is $25 to attend the conference, it covers all the food, covers every all the um, handouts and so forth. But what if they can't afford the $25? And so the discussion went around, and I said, I was one who said, you never, a principle that I learned over the years is never pay the full price for someone, even if it's just $2. Right. If they can afford $2, then they're vested in coming. Mm-hmm. Right. If you give them, and that's, you know, what you're talking about too if you give them if you gift them the whole 
It doesn't mean as much and, sometimes. Well, or, you either. know, the, the, the principle often is not what, it's like when my daughters were growing up. I had a rule in the house that whatever hit the calendar first happened. It wasn't what came along by Friday or Saturday. It was more fun. If if we had something scheduled on the calendar, that's what we did as a family or they did individually, not just what was more fun. Mm -hmm. And that's that's the principle behind what we're talking about here is learning responsibility. If they are vested, if a person is vested into a program, they'll attend it Mm -hmm. because their money went into it. Mm -hmm. But if if it's no no investment in then maybe something more fun comes along right yeah they have to have no skin in the game yeah, <laughs> yeah. Skin in um, the game. that's one of the reasons why we even charge uh for some events that we do that we could fund yeah. easily we still opt to charge a small amount because yeah. again it's the same principle it shows that you're actually committed to and mm-hmm. and those sorts of things and in this sense sometimes you have no monetary ability but you could help out help. elsewhere yeah you could serve right. in some way you could donate in some way and right. so yeah i think that's what that's one of the principles the canby center functions off of which comes directly from the scriptures of course mm-hmm. um because we see this in the old testament the way that the social welfare system worked in there and the principle of course is that people who owned mm-hmm. land would allow parts of their land ungleaned mm-hmm. right. so mm-hmm. that people could come and they would have to work for mm-hmm. the food that they earned. And so things like that, that's kind of what's put into place. And so here we see that these ladies in the Ephesian church, it seems, um, either they were doing this or this was something Paul was worried could happen. And so he says, that's not the right way to go about it. Don't just give a handout to these younger <coughs> widows because it will yeah. lead them into sinfulness. Um, take care of the older widows who have an inability. Um, and and, then there, there, and Cody even mentioned there are some younger widows if they are willing to commit the rest of their life <laughs> to service to God like Anna, mm-hmm. which he brought up, and she, it seems, was younger, you know, because she was only seven years into her marriage, so she must have been younger, mm-hmm. and she served for many, many years 20s. In, in the temple. But that's a rare, rare occasion, I mm-hmm. think. And uh, more often than not, he encourages them to remarry mm-hmm. and, to, uh, and, to, and to basically raise a family. Uh, which I thought was a, a really interesting, verse 14, actually. I'll read that really quick near the end of this section. It says, so I would have younger widows. So here's the solution that he's giving. Younger widows marry, bear children, manage their households, and give the adversary no occasion for slander. Um, right? So that's uh, mm-hmm. the witnessing world. In order to help these women be discipled, one of the ways, he says, is, allow them to find an eligible man, remarry and raise and raise kids. So it's kind of like, you know, he's saying that the family is a a great way where you're discipled, which was, it's kind of an interesting Mm. point of view. That's how you Mm -hmm. learn godliness. It's almost like otherwise these young women might be like temple prostitutes. That that was a possibility. And it seems like maybe some of them went that route. Yeah. So, but if you're a mom, (laughs) <laughs> yeah, they're busy. You're, you have responsibilities. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so how has God used your experiences as moms or your experience, Joseph, as a son, we'll say? Because, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, your family in large part shapes how you view God, how you, you yes. the disciplines, that kind of thing. So I don't know. Maybe we could talk a little bit about that. How 
when I became a Christian, I was in my late 30s, mm. and um, my sons were junior and senior in high school. Okay. And I was in um, going to uh, basic youth convents and conferences, conflicts, and I came home and dumped on them. <laughs> <laughs> and they walked away. Okay. I mean, it was too much. And I had no one um, guiding me on yeah. how to present what I was learning because, you know, it was overwhelming to me in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, so they knew my faith, but <clears throat> I can remember my oldest son. I told him, you need to be baptized. He said, I was baptized. Well, I had both my kids baptized as babies. I said, well, baptized isn't going to get you to heaven. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, well, then what would you have me baptized for? I didn't even know how to answer that question. Yeah. And, but... Anyway, when I had grandchildren, and both my sons were 29 before they had children, but I was able to take my two of my grandchildren live next door, take two of the boys. One of them went to preschool here at Canby Christian, mm -hmm. and I would volunteer over at the conference, Canby Grove, mm -hmm. or during summer church camps. camps, and both the boys would go. Uh, one of those grandsons, even up into high school, went um, to Young Life. Uh, and the older one, he had a lot of Mennonite friends from Zion, because we lived out that way. And um, Craig Ginrich at Hope Village says, oh, I remember having Luke in my Bible study. Well, I didn't even know they were going. I'm sure his parents didn't go, because my son and daughter-in-law weren't going to church. Mm. But Luke had some uh, background, and... Um, even got baptized over at the beach with an outing with Zion. Mm. And so, <coughs> you know, it's been, they're, they're in their 30s now, these grandchildren, and so I've been praying for them for a long time, but they both went to college and graduated and went out into the world and got great jobs. You know, they were good young men. They never got into trouble with drugs and all that nasty stuff. But yeah. Um, they're just, you know, doing fine in the world today. But <coughs> I'm not as faithful as Jeannie, but I, like maybe because it's boys. But I do text them every once in a while, mm -hmm. tell them I'm praying for them. Um, sometimes explain. I remember one of them, the oldest one, said, I heard lately that you were over there at the church. How come nobody helped you? And I had a good opportunity to answer him back and said, well, God gives people with different talents and things they enjoy doing, and I mm -hmm. enjoyed that, and nobody knew I was over there. I said, I just saw something that needed to be done, so I thought I'd do it. And I thought, Lord, can you use that to speak something truth new to him? Right. Truth. So, yeah. Yeah, and well, the point there <coughs> is that y as soon as you became a Christian, you saw that it was your duty, a part, and it and it, it was a part of your process of becoming more Christ-like. Yes. Was taking on these responsibilities, um, and yeah, you you of course your kids at that point were, you know, sort of in the early phases of early adulthood and late yes. teenager years, and they had they had been raised in sort of a different, totally. you know, yeah. So that must have been quite the challenge. Yes. Um, but 
but you, it helped to shape you quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that's what Paul's trying to get at. How is it shaping us? You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. Anything you'd add there, Jeannie? Um, well, the one, there's a couple things. Um, I too dumped <laughs> when I became a new Christian. Um, but I, the, the one thing that I have heard people say over the years is, well, that's the church's responsibility mm-hmm. or that's the school's responsibility. And one thing that I always tell people, and I told my daughters as they were growing up, when you have children, they're nobody's responsibility but yours. So mm-hmm. go look in the mirror and what are you doing? Don't expect anybody else to fulfill your role. Mm-hmm. That's your job. Um, don't expect the teachers to be the your child's advocate. They don't have time. They're mm. too busy. There's too many other things going on in their classroom. They've got a whole classroom of kids. And oftentimes there are kids in the same classroom who don't have parents at home mm-hmm. or who parents are not involved at all. Um, I'm sure that um, I remember one time someone asking me, well, what did your daughters think when they were growing up and you were at everything? You were, you know, whatever they were involved in, you were there. And I turned around and said, why don't you ask them? They're <laughs> sitting there. Ask mm-hmm. them. And I thought, well, this will be interesting. See what they say. And one of them said, Mom, did you never figure out that there was a reason when we went to softball tournaments that certain girls always wanted to be in our car? Mm-hmm. No, I hadn't thought about that because I was the one that was saying, this car doesn't move until I hear all the clicks of the seatbelts <laughs> going down, you know, all this stuff. And she said, and, and she explained, she said, no, those kids knew that you would be watching out for them the whole weekend Mm -hmm. because their parents weren't there, but Mm -hmm. you were. Mm -hmm. And if they needed somebody, I think that was the other thing that that I did um, was I was telling the girls as they were growing up, you know, by the time you hit, you graduate from middle school, there will be girls who will be pregnant. There will be girls who need help. Mm. If you know of them, let me know. Mm-hmm. And you and I can sit and talk with them. Um, and they often, there were times when they would come and say, Mom, I have a friend and she needs someone to talk to. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the thing that Trudy has allu- alluded to <clears throat> about the prayer is, and I, I tell the women at the Bible study every year about this too, is that when, when my oldest grandson was like a sophomore, junior in high school, I told John, um, I want to text. And he said, you don't need to text. We don't need to text. And I said, yes, I'm going to text because it's the language of our grandchildren. <laughs> and so we got that on our phones. And every Sunday night since then, I have texted all five of my grandchildren, mm-hmm. and then I've added girlfriends and others. Um, how can I be praying for you this mm-hmm. week? The very first week I got back from the one who was the sophomore junior, IDK, <laughs> and I thought, I don't even know what that means. <laughs> so I had to call somebody. What is 
world does IDK mean? <laughs> and they said, well, it means I don't know. Right. And I thought, oh, okay, so he doesn't know what I, how to ask me to pray. So I said to him the very first week, okay, Conan, this week I'm going to be praying that you're kept safe while you're playing football. I'm going to be praying that the whole team stays safe. <laughs> I'm going to be praying this week that you are already developing long-term friendships that you will have all the rest of your lives, mm. um, and, and so on. And that's what I did. Um, now, when I text my grandchildren, I get answers back mm -hmm. right away. And oftentimes, during, because I've done this for a long time, oftentimes I will get messages during the week. Mm -hmm. Grandma, this has happened. Will you pray for this, please? Mm -hmm. um, and it, to me, it was a way to teach. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Wow, that's really encouraging to hear. Yeah, so our families are one of the best ways that we can disciple, we can be disciples and mm -hmm. we can disciple our kids or, yeah. you know, others in our family. Um, I don't know. Anything to add there, Joseph? How are you discipling your <laughs> brothers? <laughs> well, something I wanted to say to kind of add on to, to um, sorry, how was it? I see you every week, Jean. and yet I can't remember your name. Oh, that's not Jean. just an age thing, then. <laughs> oh, no, it's called, let's see, it's called... Doorway syndrome. Yes, there, there you go. <laughs> That's um, right. So there's this. So you're talking about how um, raising your children is no one's responsibility but your own. Right. Um, in the in the book Starship Troopers by Robert Heinlein, mm -hmm. and and don't if you if you're interested in the book, go read the book. Don't watch the movie. It's it's not even the same. They got the the book. The movie is called Starship Troopers because they wanted rights to the name oh. and the characters. But that is the only similarity. The storyline is completely different. Oh, of anyway, that aside, um, it talks about how there there is that a, a juvenile delinquent is kind of a contradiction of terms. As a as a delinquent is like an adult who is. Um, doing things incorrectly and right. that it is the reason why there are bad kids like that is not always but usually because the the father or the parents raised them incorrectly so, now sometimes it is out of the parents control and they you know run with some some nasty people and you know they stuff right. happens but a lot of the time it is the parents responsibility to to train them and teach them and I, I, I see that most most parents around me do a pretty good job, so mm -hmm. don't have to worry about that. But yeah. so there are delinquent parents. Too. Yes, <laughs> exactly, there are. and yeah. that's the problem. Right. Yeah. Yep. Problem. Yeah, and that's why Paul, of course, and delinquent parents happen. It seems when they mm -hmm. aren't taking their responsibility exactly. seriously. Well, and we have to remember that that now the government is telling us that they're not our children. They're their children, right. and that's not biblical. No, <laughs> no. not at all. <laughs> at all. <laughs> yeah, there, there's a lot of cultural uh, dynamics yeah. at play. But mm -hmm. one of the important things is like w that you brought up, is uh, Jeannie, is that we are all equally uh, tasked with doing ministry. One of the things that mm -hmm. Cody brought up is uh, people have a misconception that you come to church and that's where the ministry happens. That's where worship happens. That's mm -hmm. where equipping of the saints happens primarily. And perhaps some of that work happens surrounding the church, but the the 90% of the ministry, quote unquote, discipling people, helping them to understand the Bible, helping them to make good choices, you know, helping to serve them, give them things that they have that they need, um, happens 
you know, not in the church. It happens mm-hmm. in homes. It happens out here in the neighborhoods. And so, and that's everyone's responsibility. Um, uh, so that's, that I think is an important point. Well, but it, and I, just to say, I love that every week we're reminded at the end of church that church doesn't end. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Cody you know? loves that phrase. Yeah, he, yeah. Lo- mm-hmm. he does that well. Yeah, yeah. that's good. Yes, I, I agree. Um, okay, well, we are going long, but let's just touch briefly on the opening of chapter six. There he encourages bond servants <laughs> to honor their masters. Um, the equivalent, perhaps for us, is, is employment and dealing with yeah. that sort of situation. Um, uh, for the sake of time, we may not get too deeply into this, but I, I think it's, it's an important thing that even when you're dealing with a boss who is not very godly, um, the encouragement for us is to be a good example and to be, a, you know, Christ-like. And then if you have a master who is a Christian, all the more to treat him as a brother and to honor him. So, I, or her, I guess, in our current context. But I don't know. Have you had challenges in work um, in the past with your faith? Why is it important to be a good employee or a servant, you know? I, I had a lot of different jobs. I was really fortunate um, when I was working in Woodburn at uh, a company down there that a couple of the people that were in charge of that company were Christians already. Mm. And they were very fair and good to work with. Um, the only, you know, we had the business, and I was at the desk, truck drivers coming in and out. Um, you sold flowers? Yeah, we had a nursery. You had a nursery. Okay. Yes, and um, they would come with semi-trucks and haul them away. But... Uh, you know, I had things up in the office that looked like Christianese <laughs> little sayings up there, little vice verses. Um, and, you know, pray for a safe trip. You can be a witness. Some of them you could even have a talk with the truckers are waiting inside while they're right. loading. Um, at Kiwanis, um, I really don't know. I was working with one other Christian there, uh, but... You know, people are in and out with some of the employees. They're not really long-term there. Mm-hmm. So I've never really had a problem or even an opportunity, but I had things in my workstation, you know, that, and I remember it says, do your work as unto the Lord, or not <laughs> unto men, you know, and I would put that up there. And when I was assistant manager, I was hoping <coughs> to teach people to be more um, diligent about work. A lot of young people nowadays don't even know how to work or to be loyal, loyalty on the job was another yeah. issue. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah. yeah, but nothing out of the ordinary yeah. for me. And Jeannie, you, you nursed, right? You were a nurse for... <laughs> I w- yeah, I was a nurse, but <laughs> you I... You didn't nurse, but... I only you... did that for a few years. I was only a nurse for like six or seven years where I worked in the hospital. Um, but the one thing that I... And I became a Christian... Mm. when I was working. Um, but, you know, they're, they're really, it matters just being respectful. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's the big key that you are talking about, you're mm. all talking about, is people are more um, open to you, more open to what you might say to them or not say to them when you've respected them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm no matter what their position in the That's company true. or whether they're a truck driver, whether they're a janitor, um, yeah. it, you know, it, it's respect gets back respect. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think that's what Paul's getting at there. Uh, so, Joseph, the people you work with, horrible, right? <laughs> oh, absolutely. No, no, it, it, it's fine. Um, well, more than fine. I like that the my hours are pretty flexible, and whenever yeah. I see somebody, they're normally they're normally happy that I'm cleaning up. And um, yeah, no, working working here at the church is great <laughs> because I don't have anybody that I don't like working with. <laughs> and yeah, it, it's it's awesome. And uh, one of the I had a train of, th- it's like the doorway effect again. <laughs> I, I actually notice that a lot when I'm cleaning. I will, like, uh, actually happened today. I was cleaning the bathrooms, and I went in, and I saw that there were some paper towel dispensers needing paper towels. So then I went up to the, the gen- little janitorial room, and I went in there to get paper towels. By the time I walked in there, I forgot what I was in there for. <laughs> and so then well, but it like, must make you feel good to know that this is normal. Yes, I'm I yes. seeing this is a problem that other people have. And yeah. so then it's like, okay, so I, I did something, and then I walked out, and I, I went back downstairs. And I was like, oh, dang, I need paper towels. <laughs> and I go back up there, and I finally get them. But yeah. Yeah. You did what Cody said. You went back to the place, yeah. and that jogged your memory. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yes. Go back to the scriptures, go back to church, jog yes. your memory. Why I do we do these things? I did that this morning when I went into the office because I needed a pencil with a good eraser. I thought I'll have to go to the office, but I had a on my calendar on the refrigerator. I turned around, walked in my bedroom to get something, and I came back out and I thought, I didn't go in there. What did I want? <laughs> and then I looked at the calendar, you know, and I remembered, oh yeah, I wanted a pencil. <laughs> there you go. It and happens. I thought of Cody. It happens. <laughs> yes. It happens to the best of us. Okay. To, what Jeannie said though about on the job about respect, it. No matter what the job is, it mm-hmm. comes down to you, how you interact with people, how you respond to things that you might disapprove of or the language they're using, mm-hmm. rather than come off with this face of, I'm uh, you know, condemnation. Right, self righteousness. Yeah, like you just, in some way, you know, maybe the, the Lord gives you a, a word to say. But if not, you still can smile at them yeah. and yeah. Uh, just walk away. And, and it, so it's how you live out um, who you are. Right. And I and think that's. And whose you are. Yes. Oh. And whose you are. Yes. That's right. And that will open the door to, uh, you know, hopefully to give a, a witness for the, the hope that is within you. So good principles from the book of Timothy. Let's uh, move now to this. Volunteer of the week. Co- Cody's with us, even though he's not here. <laughs> Yay, Cody. In in, in his rec- pre-recorded voice, Cody is with us. But we do have a volunteer of the week um, in uh, of sorts. We have a whole group, a gaggle of volunteers. Because a gaggle. We, <laughs> we concluded our CC Kids Summer Nights this past week. And uh, for four weeks straight, many volunteers volunteered every day. Or, I'm sorry, not every day, every week, because we did it Wednesday evenings for a month. Um, saw a lot of kids come How and, many? Yeah. Uh, I'd have to get the details. It's close to 80, I think. Wow. Um, we kept it. Great. Yeah. We kept it kind of smaller, but you know, we wanted to be able to serve our families and to help them. Un- what, these kids understand the Bible from babies up till oh, babies elementary. Too. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, the middle school and high school kids 
they uh, many of them were here, but they were just volunteering and helping mm-hmm. with the little ones. Mm-hmm. So we had a lot of yeah, a lot of different help. So the volunteer of the week is really everyone who helped out over the course of that month. Oh. Um, but Ashley, because I talked to her earlier, wanted to give a special highlight to the Leishner boys. Oh, All you. three oh, nice. um, Joseph, Leishner boys gosh. were very good. <laughs> <laughs> That's so loud. <laughs> it like there's more than just four people. Oh, in the room. There, there <laughs> are just four people. Um, yeah, big shout out. All three of uh, you know, you you guys were here. She said early every Wednesday, and were very helpful, professional, and helped things go. Um, yes. I, were you working doing custodial stuff, or were you just volunteering? Um, I was I was volunteering as security. Okay. Um, so I I had a radio, which is pretty cool, and. Uh, Thomas was also security, so he had a radio. Okay. So I I was on the on the network, and I could talk to people if I needed to. Yeah. But it was it was mostly just a lot of walking around and making sure that kids weren't where they were not supposed to be. Right. And uh, from <laughs> that's my a big job. I was just gonna yes. say that is a big job. <laughs> from <laughs> my perspective, job. at least, things went pretty smoothly because I never found any child that was away from the group. Or if there was a child that was away from the group, he was very sneaky. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, we had them all accounted for. Um, so yeah, they, she wanted to say big thanks. Also, with cleanup, uh, the last night you guys, you know, basically took it upon yourselves during the the end of the event as they were getting the kids off to clean everything. And so, mm-hmm. anyway, she was very appreciative of you. And there are many others who were there and participating. Some of whom were there all four four weeks helping out. So a big thank you to all those who helped out um, for the for our summer nights. And uh, yeah, we'll hear. I'll probably try and give some details on Sunday about how that went to everyone. Um, But that is that. The next segment that we have, if I can find the button, is this. It's time for Bible Trivia right now. And yes, that is Cody's beautiful singing voice. Trudy Trudy (laughs) was was curious, is that Cody? Yeah, it is. He wrote that little song. That's nice. his own, own oh, little. Oh, his own instrumentation. That's Good right. Good for him. I think he, he told me one time that he, yeah, was trying, like had tried to write a song. And I think that was a part of a song mm-hmm. that he was like a full song. Anyways, you'll have to ask him, ask Cody about it. Where did that, um, that sting is what they call it. The little audio clip um, comes from. But it is time for Bible trivia. And in light of the fact that we are discussing uh, widows, here's a section from this Bible trivia book. <laughs> Widow women. <laughs> there are many widows in the Bible. Yes. As I'm sure you're well aware about uh, ladies who are highlighted um, who have lost their husbands. Uh, here, we'll start here. Who probably left more widows than anyone else? Left more widows. So he had to so, be. Uh, what man was married multiple times? Oh, oh. I, I think I might know this. Okay, Joseph, um, take a stab. Was it King? David, because didn't he have like no. thousands of? You're close. King Solomon. That's right. Solomon. Jeannie got it right. Oh yeah, he <laughs> had thousands, <laughs> hundreds. Oh, thousands. that was the wrong one. There we go. Wait a minute, I got it right. <laughs> Jeannie, Jeannie got it right. She's the Bible scholar. Yes, it was oh, right. King King Solomon. Uh, he had seven hundred wives. Yeah. And so three concubines. Con- yes. yes, that's right. Don't forget the concubines. Right. Yes. Well, they don't count. They weren't the real widows. Oh. Just kidding. <laughs> yeah, they were that, the other kind. That was a crazy time in 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 Israel's history. Yes. David had several wives, but not that many. <laughs> okay. I was um, trying to remember. Somebody had like like many hundreds of, of wives. But I Solomon. Who it was. Yes. Ooh. 
Okay, what book of the Old Testament is named for a famous widow who became an ancestress of David? King David. Ancestress. Is it Ruth? It is. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So she lost her. She's the Moabitess who lost Mm -hmm. her husband in the first chapter there. Good job, Joseph. Look at you. Good job. Okay. Um, Let's see. We'll do one more of these. Um, What woman of Joppa gave away clothing to the widows? Was it Lydia? No. That sounds right. Lydia made... She's a purple. She made clothes purple. purple. Okay, purple. we're we're going with Lydia. Let's check. I don't think Joppa. No. no. It's just Tabitha. A... This is found in Acts Tabitha. nine. And I have my my own little trivia. Oh, here we go. Oh. Okay, okay, Leishner. So <laughs> in um, what chapter is it? I uh, not chapter. Um, chapter five, verse four. Um, in the ESV version, it says godliness, but in my version, it says piety. Mm. What does piety mean? Godliness. Godliness. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's a circular definition. But, but pious, if you're pious, you're, you know. Religious. religious. So yeah. according to, to C.R. Wiley in the book that I have right here, The Household and the War for the Cosmos, um, the Apostle Paul used it to, he said, to act reverently towards God, towards God, One's country, magistrates, relation, and to all whom dutiful regard or reverence is due. Mm. This is something that the that the Christians use a lot. Um, that the word piety is not so much used anymore, and the the Romans actually um, used it a lot in a in a bit of a different sense. One such example of a, a very pious Roman man was Aeneas, and um, where was it? Oh, this is on the next page. Um, this is from Bernard Knox, director of the Emeritus at Harvard Center for Hellenistic or Greek Studies. After realizing the fighting was no longer of use, that Troy was doomed, Aeneas carried his father, Anchises, on his shoulders out of the burning city, holding his son, Ascanius, by the hand, and his wife, Crusa, falling behind. So that's this kind of a... a um, a picture of piety, and I was going to add that in some point earlier on in the <laughs> in the uh, in the podcast. But having never done this before, I didn't really know how everything was going to work. And you I just had to get it in. You you are in the midst of writing what a senior project? Uh, yeah, you... I think it's a, a senior call, oh, like a senior thesis paper or something. Okay, and I'm going to do it on um, piety, and well, maybe not like on on piety, but like that 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 kind of idea. Right. Um, so within the household or within? Uh, yeah, within the. Um, I'll, I'll work more on the specifics. <laughs> I know what I'm. It, it's a, it's about piety, and I'll right, figure out right, the specifics right. later. But Joseph, yeah. the young scholar, yeah. is just mm. quoting to us. He's got tabs over there. Um, anyways, yeah, no, thank yes. you for sharing that. Um, but that is it for this week. Next week we will get into um, the the next section of First Timothy with some famous verses. But stay tuned for that. And uh, Pastor Aaron will be back after next week. So thanks for joining us. Oh, thanks for having us. It was fun. It was fun. I was impressed with Joseph. Yeah. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. Definitely. Thank you for listening to the Canby Christian Church Podcast. For more information about the church and its ministries, visit canbychristian.org.